about all the things she can do. You know, she can knit, and she can sing, and she can paint, and she can draw, and she can cook, and she's so happy because she's singing this Disney song. When this inciting incident happens, Flynn comes in, stumbles into the castle, and Rapunzel's got a choice to make. She could either stay where everything was good for her, she had everything she ever needed, or she could actually leave the castle, the, the, the places she had dreamed of, looking out the window when she was also singing her song, and wonder if there's another life out there for her. Will she make that brave decision to stay where life is good, or go to where she is new and dangerous and maybe more of a life? So this is what it caught me up here with Rahab and Rapunzel. Okay, Rahab and Rapunzel, R-A-R-A. -A. Uh, Rahab didn't live solitary in a castle, but she did live on a wall. In fact, it was the wall of Jericho before it came tumbling down. Rahab didn't have an evil stepmother, like all Disney movies have, um, but she did have a family that she was close to and she probably helped provided for her family. Rahab was far from a princess. In fact, she was, she was a prostitute. PR, PR, but difference by a lot. Um, she didn't have long hair, but she did have a scarlet rope that hung down. And both of them had this inciting incident happen in their life where they both had to make a choice as to what to do. And it changed Rahab's life it changed the culture, it changed the world eventually, the decision that Rahab had to make. So let's turn into Joshua 2. We're going to read the entire chapter, so we're not going to get it on the screen here because we're reading the entire chapter. If you have your Bibles, open it up. If you have your lifeline, which you should, it's written out in there. And I'm reading to you guys out of the New Living Translation. And we're going to begin at verse 1. So then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp to Atticacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So we're getting our story with spies. Okay, we know we got a good story going on, right? Because it's spies and intrigue. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. So this is where, this is where I keep seeing with Rahab the spies coming into her room and she's Rapunzel with this frying pan with the two spies going, what do I do? This is this inciting incident and I cannot undo this picture of Rapunzel and Rahab. But here is the brave choice that Rahab made. Before the spies went to sleep that night, 
Rahab went up to the roof to talk to them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that you, what you did to Sihon and Og and the, Amor the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people were, you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live, along with my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all of their families. So look at this proclamation of faith. This prostitute living on a wall, taking care of her family, makes. She hears of all these great feats, the legends that have been traveling around in the land here and she declares for the Lord your God is the supreme God how does she know this in a land of many gods how does she know that this is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below something's happening here let's continue on we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety the men agreed if you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the, when the Lord gives us the land. Then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope. See my picture? Um, through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you will let us down. And all of your family members, your father and mother, see, no evil stepmother, brothers and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. Detailed deal here, huh? But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied. She sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went into the hill country and stayed there for three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened. The Lord has given us the land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of, of us. Intriguing story, right? I mean, this has just got the spies and the drama and everything like that. Now, I've mentioned this phrase, inciting incident, several times. This is a writer's phrase. This is a um, movie writer's phrase. You'll see this quite often. This is the, the pivot in a story when the, the hero of the story, the heroine, has to make a choice. You, if you think of movies, you, know, you got the, the hero or heroine is just going along, living her life, and then something happens, like in the story of Tangled, when Flynn stumbled into the castle. There's a choice to be made. It, it often requires great bravery and often a lot of fear. Sometimes the choice also involves lack of bravery. So. Let's take a little quiz here, if you can find the inciting incidents of some of these very popular movies. 
You see, that is Harry Potter looking into the mirror and seeing his parents for the first time. Now, in the story of Harry Potter, there are so many inciting incidents, which is one reason why we love this story so much. Is that, and I chose this one for the allegory of it. It's when he, could, when he got to see his parents for the first time, because he was orphaned, and if you know the story, and they're alive in the mirror, because that's what magic can do. Um, he got his identity, who he was for the first time, and that gave him the bravery to then to go forth and fight that next battle. Okay, this next picture, which may be hard to see too, this is Legally Blonde. This is Elle and Warner out to dinner when Elle was sure she was going to be getting engaged to Warner. And then we know what, if you know the movie, you know what happens. She is dumped. And she goes home and she makes the decision to go to Harvard and becomes the blessed, best blonde lawyer ever. Next movie. It's a Wonderful Life. This happened to be John's favorite movie. He can quote you lines from this movie every day of the year. He can find an occasion on this one. So what is actually Jimmy Stewart saying? She's saying, I wrote it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a pox upon me, yes. And then we know at this point, if you know the movie as well, the car runs up. He never gets to kiss the girl yet, but his father has just died of a stroke. Changes George Bailey's life. Next one. Oh, next one. You got to see this one. Greatest, greatest society incident of all time. Luke Skywalker finding R2-D2 and seeing the message from Princess Leia. We've got movies upon movies based on this one inciting incident and the galaxy has been saved. So you will recognize this now in all the stories that or movies that you read that there are these, these decisions that the hero has to make to become the hero of the story. And it always, always, again, involves some type of bravery, something beyond what they could do, and almost always involves fear. And if you think of you know, Luke Skywalker's story, which is, come on, the best story of all movie time, it's because this orphan boy became the hero. This is how stories are made and loved. So, what are the inciting incidents in your life? What kind of story are you guys living? What are those moments you've had lots of intention inside of you and you've had to make a decision? Did you say yes? Did you say no? And sometimes those decisions are to say no. And that's still pr providing tension inside of you and still providing bravery. But do you have any regrets? if you missed that moment of that. Sometimes these inciting incidents come in areas of our faith. They most almost always came when you decided to follow Jesus, unless you were doing it as a child. But there is that, that point when you have heard the truth, the tension is inside of you, and you're just deciding, I'm going to go this Jesus way and see what it does. Maybe it is when he said yes to a mission trip. Again. There's tension in that decision. There's bravery involved in that. And you come home and you're like, that was the best thing ever. 
and it has changed your life. Maybe it's when you decided to teach here at Spirit and Life. Oh, you're not teaching here yet? Maybe you should. Maybe this is a yes you should pray about. We have lots of opportunity because of all the people that have moved this summer. We have lots of opportunity. So I pray you feel some tension and maybe make this brave move to teach. You may feel like you are just not qualified. Oh, let's, let's talk. Let's talk about that. Because um, it's going to be a brave decision. It's going to change your life. Um, or maybe it's just when you decided to take your faith more seriously. There's something in your life that was going on and you're like, I've got to leave this part of me behind. There's tension in that. Or maybe this comes in decisions in your personal life. Like when you knew you had to leave a job or accept a job. And you didn't want to leave the comfort of what you've known, but you knew this was a moment of a big decision and this was a big change. And you had to make that decision. Or did you stay comfortable? Or maybe it was the ending of an unhealthy relationship. You know, maybe you had to put some boundaries around somebody that was actually taking away your joy. Whew, this is the hard stuff. This is the hard stuff. Sometimes it's easier to think it's okay to stay into that unhealthy relationship and maybe lose yourself and get some damage to yourself than it is to make that brave decision to put those boundaries around it. These inciting incidents are not meant to be easy, but they are always, always memorable. So in our, our Women of the Bible series and with the story of Rahab here, we have a prostitute. And this inciting incident happened in her life. A prostitute. And you guys think you have shame in your life that holds you back from making decisions. You think you have numbed yourself plenty to make the excuses to stay in that bad relationship or to keep your faith safe. In Rahab's incident, she decided to declare in verse 11 again. Um, don't worry about the slides because there's not one there, but I'm going to read it again. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the, the earth below. She just makes this declaration out of her Sunday school classes? Growing up in a Christian home? Or she just knew something was happening when these spies came through her door with the frying pan in her hand. I can just picture that. Something was happening here and she had a chance to change her life, to change her entire future. This kind of reminds me of Peter when Jesus asked the disciples in Matthew 16, and who do you say I am? And Peter, Peter, comes out of nowhere and says, but you, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This just rose out of him. And the minute he said those words, something changed in Peter. Until the night of the crucifixion and he's a little scared and a 14-year-old girl comes to him at the campfire and says, were you with the man? And Peter, 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 a 14-year-old girl, he starts cussing her out and saying, I don't know that man. So I'm saying inciting incidents 
change you, it's not always smooth. But you know in Peter's story and what happened to him and how he became you know, the first pope of the church and the, the, the foundation and the rock that Jesus actually prophesied over him here in Matthew 16. It all comes to be. But Peter had to take that tension and those butterflies and make a decision. And then he made a decision again to receive Jesus' forgiveness in John 21 and change the church. Literally. So let's see how Rahab's story ended in Joshua 6. I think, I don't know if this is in your life plan or not, but I'm going to continue on at beginning at verse 22. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out, along with all her family. The two men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all her other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, and iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. And she lived happily ever after. It is a Disney story in the end. Um, we actually read in the genealogies that Rahab, and Rahab is mentioned in the genealogies, by the way. It's a prostitute, not an Israelite. Probably not of Jewish blood. I mean, very likely, probably of darker skin blood. Mentioned in the genealogies of Jesus, which is amazing, because women are quite forward in the Bible, by the way. Um, she married a guy named Salmon, literally spelled like our Salmon. Um, who became the parents to Boaz. So first we read here that a prostitute got married and had children. That right there is the redeeming power of God. She had a choice to make. She chose to go with this bigger, scary thing of a God she didn't know. And she gets to leave, fall in love. Some of the, some of the theories say that one of the two spies is what, who married her. I don't know if that's really theology becoming Disney. But um, she had various children and has this beautiful ending. All because she made this decision. But it goes further. He says, Rahab gave birth to Boaz, who married Ruth, who had Obed, who had Jesse, who gave birth to King David. And if you keep going, this prostitute, or ex-prostitute, because her story is now forever changed, was the great, great 20 times great-grandmother to Jesus. Her legacy doesn't end there. The Hebrew writer puts her into the Hall of Faith fame in Hebrews 11, and he says this about her in verse 31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Right there, there's no frying pan in her hand, is there? And then, she's also mentioned in the book of James, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible, in James 2.25, says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. This is her life. From one inciting incident, history, the world, and we get Jesus was changed. So, this is our chance to talk to each other. 
Okay? The question for the, for the week is, give the groups of three to four, five, and share one inciting incident that happened in your life. You guys should have many in your adult life here. Choose one and share stories. Go. We got time. because these are like life-changing stories and they're fun to share, right? At least in my circle, we had a lot of fun sharing these stories, but it is actually 11 o'clock. I know. So, <laughs> I want to bring this to a close, but I need Leon to stop sharing his story, which has got to be amazing. <laughs> and play some music. So let me bring this to a close. 
and bring this to a challenge what is going to what I want you guys to go home with on this because for one I think you guys are going to be seeing this all the time now in your life and you'll definitely be seeing this when you go to the movies this week you're going to be seeing that one moment it's kind of just wrecks movies from now on but it's kind of fun at the same time but my take home question for you guys is what inciting incident is, is happening right now in your life? Is there something going on like maybe you should step up and teach here at Spirit and Life or something? Got some goals going on here. Um, but the second question is what shame is going on in your life right now that is stopping you from saying this yes or saying this no? I literally just got back last night past midnight from a camp I was speaking at last week. It was a teen Bible camp for the uh, Brethren in Christ Church denomination. I talked about shame the entire week with those teenagers. I could talk to you a, a lot about shame and how it knocks us out of our story. Shame loves secret keeping. Shame loves making us feel like we're all alone in our situation. But for right now, I only got time to say, to put words on it and say, is there shame going on that is stopping you from, from that happening? So will this message be an inciting incident in your life to push you into the direction that God is leading you to go? And will you make that brave decision to do it? Let's pray. Dear me, Father. Again, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the, the, the ones you have, are bringing in to, to form us and give us this church family identity where we have stories to share and um, moments and stuff that is just good. Because all along, if we look further back, we can see your hand in all of these situations and that you brought us up to this point. But what is this point in the individual's lives? I pray that shame does not stop them from thinking that they can be a part of something bigger in their lives. I, just, I pray that just calling out that shame may be a possibility here puts that to say, no, I can do what I'm feeling God calling me to do. And that this today can be one of those inciting incidents where someone says yes or someone says no and that no one in this room will have regrets for not making that brave decision pray in your name amen Up.